Welcome to High Cheese with Darren Maloney. Today is Friday, September 2nd, 2022. And let's go right to Biden's Bolshevik speech last night at Independence Hall. And I just want to first talk about the imagery. You know, you have to understand these people, these globalists, they love the imagery. They love dates. And the imagery last night was satanic. It was glaringly red. You had all this. It it was just, it was creepy. It was a creepy set. It was a creepy person. And it was almost like, to me, it was almost like a satanic ritual. But additionally, the imagery was Bolshevik. Now, remember, the Bolsheviks took over the Soviet Union and controlled the Soviet Union. And with the communists, there were two wings of communism. And bear with me on that, this, because uh, I studied Russian history in college. And there were two wings. One were the Bolsheviks and one were the Mensheviks. And eventually the, uh, the Bolsheviks won. The, the, the main difference, in a broad sense, the main difference between the Bolsheviks and the Mensheviks, the Bolsheviks wanted a small group of elites to control the people. And they eventually won out and led the civil war against the Tsarists, the Reds versus the Whites. And they eventually took over the Soviet Union. And this is what we have here today with this administrative state, which is headed by the decrepit figurehead, Joe Biden. And I think the symbolism with the red really is very telling. And as I've always said, remember, the time between now and November's election is one of the most dangerous times in this country's history. And last night's speech of Biden was showing you where they are headed on this. Now, they know they are losing, and I just think it's really fitting. They've got an old, decrepit man up there making a speech that is their figurehead, and these globalists and deep staters, they're in their death rattle. You're starting to hear their death rattle. And I think some of the symbolism we should take from this is that you've got an old, decrepit man defending an old, decrepit ideology. Globalism. Now, Biden's hiding behind the fact that he says he's trying to defend democracy. He's not trying to defend democracy. He's trying to defend the deep state, the administrative state, and the globalists. And we see right through his parody. And we'll get into this later. Remember, we win. But what I'm telling you is forewarned is forearmed. So I just want to play a couple of clips from last night's speech. And let let me play it, and then we'll come back and discuss. Donald Trump and the MAGA Republicans represent an extremism that threatens the very foundations of our republic. But there's no question that the Republican Party today is dominated, driven, and intimidated by Donald Trump and the MAGA Republicans. And that is a threat to this country. They promote authoritarian leaders and they fan the flames of political violence that are a threat to our personal rights, to the pursuit of justice, to the rule of law, to the very soul of this country. Now, this is an act of a desperate man. And I know what happened. I'm sure behind the scenes, somebody comes running into his office or somebody comes running into the White House and says, oh, we got to do something. Look what happened. MAGA is taking over everything we've been doing to stop MAGA. Our political opponent isn't working. 
we're trying these suppression polls. You know, all these polls out there that say that, you know, uh, all these Republican candidates are losing. They're, they're just suppression polls. They're not legitimate polls. These are all political polls. So don't believe any of these polls. The only polls that you know they're listening to, and we'll never know, are the internal polls. And the internal polls for Biden must be showing them losing. Losing the House and losing the Senate. And we've had this big push over the past month by the mainstream media, making big deal about some polls that came back and said, oh, the generic ballot says that the Democrats are going to win or the Democrats are favored. Don't believe it. Don't believe it at all. There was one that came out, and I, I may have mentioned it, and it said that Dr. Oz was down by 14 points in Pennsylvania. Well, the last time I looked, it was three points. So again, their internal polling is telling them they're going to get beat, and they're desperate. And what do these old-time hack politicians do? They mimic your opponent. They look at what works for your opponent, and then they mimic it. So they're trying to say that, oh, MAGA is a threat to democracy. Meanwhile, we know who's the threat to democracy. It's the administrative state. It's the uniparty in Washington. That's the threat to democracy. And that's a winning message. And what do these hacks do? They try to own your winning message. But it's not working, Biden. And it's funny. It's like, the, I think the only person that made any sense last night was the heckler that was yelling, F Joe Biden. EFF Joe Biden. I don't want to say the word because my mother's listening. But that was the only person that made sense that night. The heckler. So this is what we have. But remember, this isn't going to work and they will continue to push the envelope. They're going to do it with some type of emergency, I think, or they're going to try, whether it's a new virus or some type of health emergency or some other type of false flag. They're going to try something to disrupt the November election. So just be prepared for that. And you have to fight through that. You have to make sure that you vote because this is what they're trying to do. Now, they've already got their game plan down. They already got their operations down. You know that a lot of the Democrats vote by mail. So they're going to have their vote in early. And then they're going to try to disrupt the elections afterwards. It's an, it's a, it's an old urban political democratic tactic. Get your vote out early and then muck up the election day operations for your opponent. That's what they're going to do. However, this is going to be extreme. And again, be prepared. Forewarned is forearmed. <laughs> and it's funny. You know, this old goat, and I'm calling him an old goat at this time. This guy's working on political muscle memory. He is semi-conscious. He doesn't know what he's doing. His wife is leading him around. But they love the power. And they're willing to stay there for the power. But it's funny. <laughs> this whole past week, he was in Pennsylvania. And I'm going to play a clip from, I think it was in Wilkes-Barre. And he's talking about the, he's talking about the Second Amendment. And then he's talking about MAGA. And he's talking about the people that, you know, want to protect, that want to use guns to protect themselves from an oppressive government. Which is 
a legitimate point from the Second Amendment, but not to Biden. And I think what he was trying to do this whole week is trying to goad MAGA people into a response because he doesn't understand MAGA. He knows that we win at the ballot box. And he's making the mistake that Hillary Clinton made. Yeah, we may be deplorable. To you. But we're smarter than you are. We're more democratic than you are. And we want what's best for this country. So like Clinton, Biden doesn't understand Donald Trump and MAGA. <laughs> and let me just play this clip. I think he's trying to mock MAGA into you know, some, having some kind of response. So let me, let me just play this clip and then we'll come back. And for those brave right-wing Americans who say it's all about keeping America, keeping America's independent and safe, if you want to fight against a country, you need an F-15. You need a, something a little more than a gun. Hey, Joe, you know what our F-15 is? The ballot box on Election Day. That's what our F-15 is. Mr. Tough Guy. And then he, I, I think he pointed behind him at some point and said, yeah, you want to take over the country? You're going to have to fight these guys. And he was pointing to some Marines. Yeah, again, Mr. Tough Guy. Someone else will fight your fights, right? But he, you know, I, I think he caught, even from, oh, and before I forget, the speech last night, the, the major networks didn't even cover it because of the absurdity of it. I think it was ABC, CBS, NBC. I think PBS didn't even cover it either. They knew how absurd this character is. And I think one of the CNN reporters really, you know, said it was inappropriate for him to bring in or drag into the, the military into some conversation like that. He doesn't know what they're doing. They're just desperate. Remember, they are desperate. But don't get overconfident. You have to come out and vote. So Trump appropriately responds by calling Biden insane and having late stage dementia, which is probably true. And the funny thing, something must have happened overnight. Um, these Democrats, they like to do focus groups, internal focus groups, uh, right after these type of speeches. So their internal focus groups must not have come back with good responses because Biden today is walking back his comments he made about MAGA. So let me go to this clip, and it's Biden walking back his comments. Now, here's the interesting thing. President of the United States comes out, condemns MAGA, and now today he's walking it back. That's a real backbone. You got some real set, Biden. Total flip-flop overnight. And we know why. Because your focus groups told you to. You believe in nothing, you believe only about the power, and you believe in protecting the administrative state. That's all. And the only reason you're doing that is they're backing you. So let's go to this clip, and then we'll discuss. Mr. President, do you consider all Trump supporters to be a threat to the country? I don't consider any of them to be a threat to the country. Well, then why are they here? Well, so he's walking this back. So apparently now today, uh, it's not MAGA. And he goes on to say, oh, well, you know, if you question the, uh, the election results and you support violence, that's what I was talking about last night. Well, guess what? There's a big chunk of MAGA. There's a big chunk of Americans that believe you are not legitimate. Are they a danger? I think it was the 40% of the uh, independents 
that were polled several months ago that said you were illegitimate? Are they a threat to democracy? And how about Antifa? Have you condemned them? No? Well, you're a threat to democracy, according to you. This is how bizarre you are. So, look, he's all convoluted. He's boxing himself in the corner. You know, one of the reasons he's doing this is because he doesn't want you to focus on the disasters in his presidency. Inflation, gas, Russia, Afghanistan, the economy. He doesn't want you to remember that. That's why he's doing it. At least one of the reasons. So we shall see. Now, speaking of another Biden disaster is the FBI raid on Mar-a-Lago. And apparently a judge is looking at whether she will appoint a special master to review all of the documents that the FBI took to make sure that, A, none of them fell under attorney-client privilege or executive privilege. So that decision has been delayed. But in the interim, the FBI came out with a staged photograph of all of these documents that they had supposedly took. Now, you know that the FBI is failing when they have to release staged documents of what resulted from their raid. Now, I think I thought FBI had to keep everything close to the vest. Well, not when it comes to Donald Trump. They're going to stage documents. Now, we don't know if it's real. We don't know if they're not real. What we do know is that it was a staged picture. And there's an interesting article in Political Magazine. If you ever get a chance to read it, uh, go to the website. I forgot who the um, author is. And it, it points out the hurdles that Merrick Garland faces when trying to indict Trump. Now, from a historical standpoint, remember General Petraeus pled to a misdemeanor when he actually took documents and used them. And he wasn't a president of the United States. Now, he, used, he took these documents and shared them with his lover, and he pled to a misdemeanor. And then you have Hillary Clinton with her emails and this entire negotiated kid gloves response that the FBI and the Department of Justice had to Hillary Clinton with her emails. And she was only Secretary of State at the time. So when you are applying the law equally, Merrick Garland has a real problem here. He, he may not care. There are hurdles there. And Trump will push back. And again, as I said, Trump will win because this is all about just harming Trump. And that's why this is a mistake, because, you know, Trump will come out stronger under any scenario. They just don't get it. They're too tone deaf. They lack these people skills. This is the problem with the administrative state. They don't understand people. They have no emotional intelligence. So we shall see. So Tim Tebow retired, not the football player, but the special agent from the FBI, Tim Tebow, who's been in the crosshairs of the Senate, in particular Charles Grassley, about interfering with the Hunter Biden laptop affair. Now, apparently there's strong rumors that he had interfered and slow walked the laptop through the FBI prior to the 2020 election. So he likely hindered the investigation and did his darndest to slow it up or prevent anything from happening. But he retired. Now, initially, the rumor was he got escorted out by two federal agents or three federal agents. 
I'm not sure if that's standard protocol at the bureau, because I'm pretty sure that most people that get that leave don't get escorted out. And if this guy's so innocent, what retiree hires an attorney? Now, I retired last year. I didn't hire an attorney to be my spokesman. So there must be some kind of guilt here, or potential guilt here. Now, here's what I think that happened. I think the FBI, I think the Bureau was too kind to this guy. They probably had a lot of evidence on this guy. He said, look, you're not sticking around. We'll give you the option to retire or we're going to internally prosecute you. And he opted for a retirement. Now, does that come with an agreement not to prosecute him? Not to have an investigation on him over this? I don't know. But we have to look into this because the Bureau is capable of doing anything today. And just remember, I think it's been 14 whistleblowers from the FBI that have been talking to the Senate. And I think Grassley's one of them. And I'm sure there's several other ones, but I think Grassley's taken the lead on this. And I think there was an article in the Post, and the Post said that uh, they feel that Chris Ray should resign because he's lost, because uh, the good rank-and-file FBI agents, the good ones, have lost complete confidence in Ray. And you really cannot have a clear, concise investigation into the FBI with Ray there. So for the good of the Bureau, he likely should resign. Because look, look at what has happened under him. We go from Comey to a couple of interims to this guy. And this is the guy that was recommended by Chris Christie. And that should have been some red flags right there. So have a good retirement, Tim Tebow. I'm not sure if we've heard the last from you, though. Now, I just want to talk about an article I read. It was in Fox News website. And it had to do about the reaction parents had to a New York Times podcast that said that, oh, everybody was caught off guard with the mental health issues of children as a result of the pandemic. And it got a response from a lot of parents. And, you know, certain parents were saying, hey, we know. We were telling the school systems, hey, you're going to have a mental health problem. Now, early on in my podcast, I, I, I said that we're going to have a lot of problems with our kids, particularly young men. But it fell on deaf ears. And I think it's a combination of having an inept and corrupt bureaucracy. Now, these are little microcosms of the administrative state. Now, these are local issues. But you think about, and you multiply this by hundreds, and this is what you get when you're dealing with the federal administrative state. So apparently all these parents are saying, hey, look, you're going to have mental problems with your kid, these kids. You can't lock kids down for two years and expect them to come out of this normal. It's just not going to happen. And you heard crickets from these school systems. And it's either because they're inept or they're corrupt or both. Now, any person can put two and two together. And like I said before, if you lock up kids, you're going to have problems with the kids. But these bureaucrats at these school systems don't think like that. They have an inability to make logical connections with things. And a perfect example of this is the baby formula fiasco with the Biden administration. So you had one of the largest baby formula factories shut down. And all the bureaucrats are sitting around and say, oh, that's nice. None of them, none of them at all thought, well, what's going to happen to our baby formula? Who's going to get it? How's it going to be produced? 
because these bureaucrats are not capable. I've told you hundreds of times, these are not bright people. They're able to recite things by rote, but they don't understand what they're talking about. And because of that, they can't make certain logical connections that right people do make. You know, I, I just want to turn also now to a, an article about school testing. And it says here, test scores for the country's nine-year-olds suffered significant declines early this year when compared to early 2020, according to federal data released Thursday that will reinforce the worries of educators and politicians over COVID-19 impact on children. Students who took the National Assessment of Educational Progress long-term trend test this past winter scored an average of seven points lower in math and five points lower in reading when compared to nine-year-olds who took the federal exam in 2020, which was just before the pandemic. Now, there are th these administrators now, oh, I'm shocked. It's our, it's our fears. It's, it, it says here, the results confirm our fears. What do you mean confirm? You should have known this. This should not have been a shock to you. And you should have done something to make sure that this did not happen. Because essentially what you've done is you've wasted two years of these children's lives. And if you had any intelligence or foresight, you would have been able to do something that was better than what you did. And again, my whole point is these are more local issues with school boards and just expand that exponentially. And that's what you're dealing with with the bureaucratic state, the administrative state. Nobody goes into the administrative state thinking they want to change the world. They want a piece of the power. And then they want to be able to hide behind any of the decisions that they make. Because that's what the administrative state does. No one's responsible in administrative state. And because of that, kids suffer. Babies can't get their formula. But they do fight back. And look what they're doing to Donald Trump. You know, I came across this product. It's called a mouse jiggler. And what a mouse jiggler is, it's a mouse mover. And it's a device that claims to be undetectable by your computer. As the name indicates, the device stimulates mouse movement, preventing your computer from going to, into sleep mode. So what it does, if you have a mouse jiggler, it will, I guess, stimulate the mouse to move the icon on your screen to keep the, uh, the screen fresh. And apparently what it also does, it gives the appearance that you're doing work when you're working at home on your computer. Apparently what happens is the, uh, you've got some employers that have software built into these uh, uh, computers of their employees that work at home, and it monitors their keystrokes and I guess uh, and whether their uh, computers are actually on. And what this mouse jiggler does, it gives the appearance that the employee is actually working. So meanwhile, the employee can go watch TV, go for a jog, walk the dog in the park for two hours, and this mouse jiggler will give it the appearance that they are working. And then I thought to myself, I, like, well, why would an employee want to do that? Why would a person want to do that? And the answer is because they can. And the reason they can is because they're working at home. And then I was looking at U.S. productivity. Uh, for the first two quarters in the United States in 2022, U.S. productivity is down. What that means is the U.S. worker is not as productive as it used to be. And I'm slowly putting two, to, two together. And I think that a lot of this work at home by employees has a lot to do with it. 
And I just don't think that nine times out of 10, and there are, there are special occasions and there are special employees and jobs where you can work at home and be effective. But I don't think that for most employees that went from working in an office to working at the computers at home are as productive as they were when they were working in the office. And I think Elon Musk and many, many other CEOs agree with me. It's just not a, a, not a productive way to function at work. And I think that this could have something to do with U.S. productivity because it's been down. Like I said, it's been down for the last two quarters. And they call this the computer paradox, the high-tech paradox. When all these computers came out, everybody said it was going to make Americans more efficient. And in reality, maybe it hasn't. Because with these laptop workers, the computer has given them the ability to be less productive. So technology allows them to work at home, but when they work at home, they're less productive than when they're in the office. There's so many distractions. You've got TV, you've got, you know, if you have a kid, the kid the diapers needs changing and you're changing it. Your neighbor needs help fixing his car in the middle of the day. You got the stink eye from your wife that you wouldn't have gotten if you were at work. So there's so many distractions that people get when they work at home. And that's the computer paradox. Maybe we aren't more productive because of computers. And maybe our lower productivity in the first two quarters of 2022 have something to do with this. So it's worthwhile to take a look into it. I'll look into it more, but you know, we'll see. In a related matter, there's this new thing. It's called quiet quitting. And a lot of it has to do by these laptop workers that work at home. Now, apparently, quiet quitting is just doing enough to get by. You're just doing the bare minimum at your job to keep you from being fired. Now, the problem is, is that they're doing the bare minimum that they think they need to keep their job. But they may, may not, that may not be the expectation of their employer. So you've got all these quiet quitters here that have erupted over the past few years because they can work at home. And it's much easier to do the bare minimum when you're working at home. And again, that affects productivity. And again, that's the computer paradox. And again, this isn't for everyone. I, look, I have this argument with my brother. My brother's really good at what he does, and he works at home. And he's as productive at home as he would be at work. But he's special. He's, got, he's a special case working in a special field. But for all these employers that were working in the office, and I have to preface it, my, before the pandemic, my brother was working at home. And Elon Musk also says that there are certain employees, effective employees, that have the ability to work at home and be uber productive. So I'm going to look further into this, and it's going to be really interesting to see how this thing pans out. And remember, employees usually fire themselves. It's the employers that just announce it. You know, I was thinking about starting a loser of the week. And all week I was thinking about it. And I found my first candidate. And this person, Jeremy Boland, he's an assistant principal in Costco, Connecticut, would have been my number one choice. But then Joe Biden came along with his insane speech last night. So even though I haven't officially started my loser of the week, Joe Biden gets my loser of the week for this week. And Jeremy Boland 
gets runner-up. Now, who is Jeremy Boland? Jeremy Boland is, as I said, an assistant principal in Cobb, Connecticut, for an elementary school. And he was exposed by Project Veritas. And what Project Veritas is, it's a journalistic group that exposes corruption in both the public and private sector. And so what Veritas did, they had secretly interviewed this Boland. And Boland comes out and said, yeah, I don't hire Catholics. I won't hire Catholics. I won't hire conservatives. That doesn't sound like an education to me. That sounds like indoctrination. That sounds like discrimination. So let me just play a quick clip from this. And then we'll come back and discuss. And this is local Fox News coverage up in Connecticut. A Greenwich assistant principal under fire after a video appears to show him discussing discriminatory hiring practices at his job at Costco Elementary School. So then what do you do as a Catholic? So you find out someone is Catholic. Jeremy Boland is at the center of the undercover video released by Project Veritas, a nonprofit enterprise known for controversial undercover reporting through hidden cameras. The 12-minute video appears to show Boland discussing not wanting to hire candidates who are conservative, Catholic, or of a certain age. Greenwich's first selectman says he's demanding answers. I've called for an independent investigation separate from the Board of Education. I want to see if this is pervasive. If it is, how wide and how deep is it? A group gathered outside of the elementary school Wednesday evening to denounce what was said in the video, including Republican Senate candidate Leora Levy, who's from Greenwich. I believe that we are one people and what they are doing in trying to divide Americans, divide our children. Senator Richard Blumenthal and Governor Ned Lamont, both also from Greenwich, released statements also condemning what they saw. Now, if you get a chance, go to projectveritas.com and just scroll down to the interview. It's about 12 minutes and you'll be shocked. Now, I'm not shocked because I know this is how school systems are run. They just don't talk about what Boland talked about publicly. So take a look at this. This is These are the people that are teaching your kids. These are the people that are administering our school systems. And it's got to be stopped. So again, take a look at this, please, and come to your own conclusions. But you would think in 2022 that Catholics, Christians would be discriminated against. We're targeted by the FBI. We're targeted by the school systems. We're targeted by the deep state. That's what's happening here. And you got to fight back, and you fight back at the polls. Okay, let's take a look at the markets. Uh, this was the third straight week of a down market. And uh, the Dow for the day finished down 1.1% to 31,318.44. The S&P finished down 1.1% to 3,924.26. And NASDAQ finished down 1.3% to 11,000. 630.86. For the week, the Dow was down 3%. The S&P was down 3.3%. And NASDAQ was down 4.2%. Year-to-date, the Dow is down 13.81%. The S&P is down 17.66%. And NASDAQ is down 25.66%. The 10-year bond was trading, less trading at 3.95%, while the two-year bond was last trading at 3.396%. And again, this is an inverted yield curve where the yield on the two-year bond is higher than the 10-year bond, and this is indicative of a recession. Uh, gold futures uh, right now is trading at 
$1,722.60, and silver futures are trading at $17.91. Oil, WTI futures are trading at $87.25. Right now, it is 10.25 in the evening on September 2nd, 2022, and Bitcoin is trading at $19,921.39. Ethereum is trading at $1,567.27, and XRP is trading at $0.33. Cents. So let's take a look at the calendar next week, the economic calendar, and it's going to be a light week. And what we have on Monday, the markets are closed, so there'll be no- nothing on the calendar. Uh, on Tuesday, we'll have the S&P U.S. Services PMI final, as well as the ISM Services Index. On Tuesday, we'll have the International Trade Balance, which is a read into what the uh, third quarter, which uh, which give us some insight into the third quarter GDP. And then we have the Beige Book coming out at 2 p.m. on Wednesday. And what the Beige Book is, it's essentially a written report by the Feds uh, telling us what the, the state of the economy is. And then on Thursday, we'll have initial jobless claims, continuing jobless claims, uh, quarterly services, and consumer credit reports. And then on Friday, we'll have the wholesale inventory revision. And that's it. And thank you for listening. You have a good week. And I will talk to you on Saturday.